Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good afternoon and welcome to the SCOPE podcast. I would like to warmly welcome our very special guest host, NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine Dean, Dr. Nicole Wadsworth, who is joined by Mr. Irfan Buddha, Senior Director at Henry Schein Incorporated, and who is also an esteemed NYITCOM Advisory Board member. The discussion today will focus on evolving trends in healthcare and medical education and their impact moving forward. Welcome, Dr. Wadsworth and Mr. Buddha. Thank you so much, Susan. Uh, I'm really excited for today. And Irfan, I'm looking so forward to our conversation. Likewise, Dr. Wadsworth and Susan, thanks for the warm welcome. Well, we'll go ahead and kick it off uh, with the, my first question. How would you describe or say modern healthcare is evolving today? That's a great question. So there is this notion of healthcare consumerism that's happening in the States. And I think it's somewhat happening in, in other places as well. But really what it is, it's, it's the personal choice and responsibility of the patient to number one, pay out of pocket. And as we know, the deductibles are getting much higher. And because of this, there is this consumeristic behavior that we're starting to see. You know, our population, quite honestly, is starting to um, manage their own care. They're in the driver's seat. And just like with anything that you purchase, the more it costs, the more homework you do, the more research you do. And because of this, uh, healthcare is really evolving. What we're seeing in this evolution is preventive care is really taking the front seat, right? We're seeing providers also start to reduce unnecessary utilization of expensive services like lab tests um, and other diagnostics, where the record and the information, the data that's being collected is actually going with the patient to wherever the patient is going in the patient portal. So technology is really powering these efficiencies. So those are some of the... um, really uh, simple things that we're seeing as far as the evolution of healthcare today. Well, thank you. Um, that's, it's really interesting to start to think about this. I think maybe we'll get to it a little bit, but I think as a way to hold everybody accountable as we uh, move into a different era of healthcare. So uh, another question that comes to mind, and this sort of tags off of this is, what are some of the consumer trends that you're seeing in healthcare today? We're really seeing consumers take advantage of the access of information that's out there. There's WebMD. Uh, there's so many different sites that are out there that consumers can actually go. And I think some of it can be to the detriment of our business of healthcare, where we have uh, patients that are nosing themselves and they're coming in and they're demanding that this is, this is what's up, right? Or they're demanding a medication, which may not be necessary. So 
one of the major trends is really the access and the availability of information. And that really is driving the patients or the customers, as we may say at this point, uh, to be a little bit more diligent um, about their health. But patients are seeking uh, a more sophisticated experience. Uh, it's got to be convenient. It's got to be affordable. It has to be personalized. Above it all, it has to be transparent. There's a great yearning for transparency because of this com- consumeristic behavior that we're seeing in the healthcare space. Other notable trends in this space are uh, things like urgent cares, where uh, NICOM is located on Long Island, uh, you can't go but three blocks and see five different urgent care outlets. So convenient, speedy places where you can get care off hours, you're in, you're out. Those are some of the trends that we're seeing. We're seeing wearables, right? I wear a Fitbit, right? And that information that's being collected in the Fitbit, my doctor He's actually starting to reference, hey, you know, how many steps have you done? You know, how are you doing? Somebody your your age, size, and stature, if you're doing X amount of steps a day, that's good. You know, how are you sleeping? That was one of the things that came out of a recent primary care visit was um, how I was sleeping. And I didn't have a good answer. So the doctor had asked if I felt comfortable wearing my device to bed. I said, absolutely. I don't think it'll be an issue. And it was something I started to do. We started to monitor my sleep. And what we honestly found, which is something I knew all along, I'm an insomniac, right? I come alive after 8 p.m. I wasn't getting enough sleep. So I started working on getting more sleep. And there's been a benefit overall to my health. My blood pressure is a little bit more in line. I feel definitely a little bit more peppy, let's say. Uh, So, you know, these are some of the things that we're seeing. I can also tell you that the visit to the physician's office for non-acute care is really starting to shift. I think there's this perfect opportunity for balancing in between a virtual visit and an in-person visit. So I, I call that hybrid care or a hybrid visit. And I do think that that is a trend which has really been brought to the forefront by the COVID-19 epidemic or pandemic, I should say. So those are some of the things that we're seeing. Well, just to expand on this a little bit, as I put on my medical education hat, it, it certainly seems that in training future physicians, to help them really think about the access to all the data, specifically the wearables, the knowledge that their patients will come to a visit probably pre-programmed with information that they've gained on the internet. And the training will need to shift so that students can have those conversations with their patients, help them understand why medicine X is better than medicine Y or how to use their wearables in a way that's much more efficient. And I would say currently our medical education um, approach doesn't necessarily include those things. So I, I appreciate a little bit of a heads up. And to expand on this a little bit more, how do you see the role of the physicians evolving over time? Do you see a greater emphasis on leadership roles 
um, within the medical practice, within the business of medicine, or even healthcare? Absolutely. I think the physician really needs to move into more of a multifunctional leadership role. I think the physician is viewed as the chief executive of the office that they're in. Uh, I think the rest of the staff really looks to them for guidance. Um, and it could be for many non-clinical questions as well. Could be for things as simple as the network is down, what should I do? It could be a variety of different things. I will tell you that there will be this thing with technology that the physician will really have to get comfortable with. For most of our students that are graduating, that shouldn't be too much of a challenge, right? They're pretty good. They're on their devices. They, they've grown up with their devices. I think the physicians that are more senior and that are out in the marketplace, that I think is really a challenge from a leadership standpoint, is really understanding how much technology is needed in modern day practice today. And as a physician leader, what is your piece of that puzzle? And how do you build strategies around delivering care and running an office utilizing that technology? So above and beyond that, our physician leaders need to um, have a lot of autonomy. They need to act swiftly. That's what the patients want today. The consumerism is driving that. There's no doubt about it. I think with what's happening with value-based care and reimbursement, every single minute counts. So you have to be intentional. And above and beyond that, you have to be a strategic leader and you have to create a culture of caring because that culture of caring that you build in your clinical setting with those that are part of your care team really starts to bleed into the care that the care team is delivering to the patient. So those are some things that I believe um, when it comes to leadership and clinicians, I think they ring true in my mind. Thank you. Um, I want to go back to your comment about hybrid care, the trends that we're seeing. Certainly COVID pushed this um, into the market sort of in the forefront. We've seen a little retraction as far as the use of telehealth. How do you see telehealth really playing a role as we move into the future? That's a great question. I don't believe telehealth alone is the answer. I think it's a, it's a great first step to understand what the patient's needs and concerns are if they aren't acute or if it's a quick touch base with the patient. That live interaction in between patient and physician is so important in building that relationship. And that relationship in between patient and physician is key. It's key to building trust. And I just feel that that's really hard to do in a virtual world. There's something about the touch that just makes you feel better. It's a great tool to utilize for load balancing, I guess would be the best way to describe it. It's really a tool. It's just like anything else that you would use for a diagnostic tool, right? Whether it's your otoscope or your stethoscope or blood pressure cuff. Now we've got virtual care. Thank you. 
it certainly aligns with my bias. So I'm very much biased to that face-to-face interaction. And I think it has a place, certainly. And you, we talked a little bit about convenience of care, and it certainly does provide some degree of convenience. I don't think moving entirely away from that face-to-face interaction that allows for that relationship building will really be the full direction of where we go. So I'm glad to hear that from you as a leader. One last question that's on my mind is, what, in your perspective, what should physicians and students understand about branding? Oh, that's a good one. Going back to some of my, uh, my time in marketing, and I start to think about branding, a brand really encapsulates your, your promise. That's what a brand is, your logo, your brand. And in this case, it's encapsulating your promise to your patients. It's the foundational basics of marketing. You should have a logo that really personifies the trust and the promise that you're offering your patients. So you should brand your practice if you're going to be in private practice, but you should also brand yourself. It's kind of like a double-edged sword there. You have to do both. The practice needs to be, be, be branded, but then you as an as a individual also need to have a brand. So there's things like uh, LinkedIn and there's so many other social tools that are out there, uh, Facebook, so on and so forth. Understand that people are looking you up as a physician. They're trusting you. They're, they're checking out what your feeds are, what you're looking at, what you believe in. Rule of thumb, keep it above board, keep it extremely professional because everybody's watching. That's one of the things that's out there, right? Your brand also has to be promoted. It's not a one and done. It's something that you constantly have to keep updating, promoting, and there's a variety of different ways to do that. Social media is just one avenue of branding, Uh, but there's a variety of different things that should be done. I will tell you, this is one of the things that you don't want to skimp on as a physician. If you're not a tech techie person that really likes technology, I would recommend really work with your colleagues. There's somebody in your network that is good at this. I would imagine the students that are uh, coming out today are probably fairly well-versed in this. I know I need help um, and I do seek help and it's usually from my daughter. <laughs> so uh, she, she seems to have it figured out. When it comes to the marketing piece of this, the, the real branding piece, the, the logo piece, the phraseology and finding out exactly how you're going to encaps- encapsulate your promise and what that looks like, don't shy away from hiring a professional. There are plenty of folks out there that can help you and it's a valuable service. Once you build your logo and your brand, it's not something you want to change. It's something you want to stick with. There's always sprucing it up and, and you see brands changing all the time. You see big major brands that, that shift and change. There's one on Long Island that's done a very good job, right? Which is a, a big health system. It's not new anymore, but they did a big brand change mm-hmm. and uh, they did a great job of it. I've got to tell you, they had some hiccups, I'm sure, but it was well done. So Think about some of the larger brands that are out there that you that you know of, that you trust, and bring that into your world a little bit. Does that help, Dr. Wadsworth? That's great advice, and it's great to think about it. 
I am perhaps a little um, envious of our students. They seem to take to this quite nicely, but they're a great source of information. So Dr. Wadsworth, on this uh, conversation around branding, I would love to ask you a question. And that really revolves around patient testimonials. What are your thoughts about patient testimonials? Are we dancing on the line of HIPAA a little bit here, or do you think it's fair game? From my perspective, I think it's fair game if patients want to share this information. So I think ultimately the patient has control of their story and their narrative. And um, if they want to provide that information in a public manner, I I think it's completely within their purview to do so. I think being able to have access to information like that can be invaluable to a practitioner um, as well as to other patients. Now, certainly it could have a negative spin, which in my mind would be very good feedback to a physician to take to heart and to explore why someone may feel that way. But I think there's value in it. And I do think that it is ultimately the patient's right if if they want to share. Thank you. You know, one of the other things that I was contemplating on this topic of branding, there's so many different measures that are out there today. And certainly as a physician, um, the satisfaction surveys that are out there, do you also believe that that's fair game for somebody to use in their marketing and branding strategy for their practice or personally? I do. And when I was practicing um, in the emergency department, this was a big component of what we managed. There were the patient satisfaction scores. And again, I think it's an opportunity to get feedback and to, you know, hold a mirror up to yourself and explore why you're receiving that feedback and what can you do to move forward. Certainly with any feedback, there's positives and negatives. And how you navigate that, I think, is really based upon how you're willing to explore what's happening in your area, whatever that may be, and move forward in a positive way. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Irfan, for taking the time. This has been a great conversation, and I look forward to to future opportunities. Well, thank you so much for having me today, and I really appreciate the time. Thank you very much to our special podcast guests, Dr. Nicole Wadsworth and Mr. Irfan Buddha. Your insights, expertise, and shared experiences will certainly be of great value to healthcare professionals, medical students, and patients. We thank all of our listeners for joining today.